1: You're on the line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird, solo in the show uh, on this wonderful Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday, Wednesday edition of On the Line uh, because my good buddy Jacob Goins, he is on the road calling some Lee Scott Academy baseball at Glenwood. It's the state semifinals for, for the Warriors. Uh, and a best-of-three series, they have Game 1 and Game 2 uh, today starting at 3.30 on AU100. That's 100.3 FM, uh, AU100FM.com and the AU100 app if you want to keep track of that. That's coming up here in about an hour and a half, uh, but it's just me in the studio today with our uh, wonderful intern and producer, uh, Jenny, at the Controls. Uh, we have a great show today. We, we have some, some guests coming on. We've got uh, Daryl Dapridge coming on at 2.30, the Montgomery radio legend. Uh, and then we have Jack Hudden, friend of the show, calling in at 3 to talk a little bit. Uh, and then we may have a new guest um, from Bama Central uh, this week. We have uh, Austin Hannon coming on. Um, to talk everything going on with Alabama and the NFL draft and all of that. But let's dive into today's show because we're going to talk the transfer portal here to start out because it feels like a lot has started to heat up for Auburn. Uh, we know yesterday you get the news that you pick up the Appalachian State linebacker edge At Auburn, he's going to play the jack position. Jalen McLeod, he's a guy who I think I think he's a great addition. I think he's going to be um, welcomed onto this defense. And Auburn needed somebody like this. Auburn needed somebody to come in and give you uh, with give have FBS experience, uh, have FBS production and somebody that they could rely on. And uh, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of discussion about, okay, well, um, how many games did he start? How What was his production like? There is a lot of discussion about that. But when you watch his film, he's a great player. I think he is. I think he's a pass rush specialist. He's not going to be an every downed player. Every down jack for Auburn. I don't see that happening. But he gives you immediate uh, help with depth. Allows you in passing situations. To maybe shake up your defensive line. Change who all who all's on the field. Maybe get another guy who can uh, bend the edge. And uh, get around an offensive tackle. And get after the quarterback. And it gives you some flexibility. Now... Could you see a situation where you have your interior guys like Justin Rogers, like Jason Jones, up the middle? And could you see Keldrick Falk with a Jalen McLeod coming off the edge on a third down? I think it gives you some flexibility, and I think it's a great addition, a welcome addition to this Auburn team. He's a guy with a high motor He gives you unbelievable effort. Even when he gets blocked, he shows you great effort. And look, you lost Dylan Brooks, but by picking up Jalen McLeod, this is a net positive. This is a net gain. This is a guy who has so much more production in his college career than a guy like Dylan Brooks. Yes, Dylan Brooks had the frame that you want, he was highly rated coming out of high school. But he played in 11 games in two years, and in his two years playing at Auburn. He totaled seven tackles. One sack, one tackle for a loss. He had a pass defended and a fumble recovery. And that was his entire stat line across 11 games. At Appalachian State, Jalen McLeod across 25 games had 75 tackles, 12.5 for a loss, nine sacks, one, four passes defended rather, one fumble recovery, and two, three forced fumbles. He had two forced fumbles on a single play against Texas A&M. And he was a nightmare for those Texas A&M offensive linemen. And kind of like, I'll make a comparison here, you've seen his best game. It was against an SEC team. He was really, really good. He showed you a tremendous motor. He's strong for his size. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Listed at 6'1", 225. He's going to be small coming off the edge. But he showed a lot of strength. If you go watch that play that I've referenced so many times, that final play against Texas A&M, he gets underneath the tackle. He gets the tackle off balance, kind of tosses him, loses his footing a little bit, but that motor keeps running. He gets to the quarterback. He strips him. The guard picks up the ball. He runs that guy down and strips him. I mean, I think that this is a guy who can be very solid, and you're not asking him to come in and be a superstar. You're asking him to be enough of a threat to make you feel comfortable uh, with the depth at the jack position. But coming from App State, coming from the Sun Belt, which was a really good conference this past year, I feel good about this this addition, and I feel uh, like things are are going well for Auburn in the transport. It's going to take time because unlike the January portal period, where everybody was rushing to try to get into school for the spring semester. This isn't like that. I guess guys just have to be on campus for spring for summer classes. I guess they don't even have to do that technically. But you have a situation where guys just had to get in the portal by April 30th. Which is why we saw an influx of portal entries right there at the very end. But some of these guys are going to take their time, and that's fine. But I think Jalen McLeod is the first domino that the first domino um, in this portal period where I think Auburn is going to pick up more additions than we realize. And that brings us to the quarterback position the most talked about position on the football field in general especially at Auburn, because we know T.J. Finley yesterday announced he is on the way out, grad transferring out. There's a lot of speculation about him going to southeastern Louisiana where his brother is. By the way, that would create a really funny situation for Auburn fans on April 7th, or October 7th, rather. Auburn's off week. Southeastern Louisiana would play Incarnate Word. The significance of that—that that could be a quarterback battle or quarterback matchup of Zach Calzada versus TJ Finley, which would be very funny to see. But TJ Finley's out the door right now on campus. Currently, you have two scholarship quarterbacks: you have Holden Gurner, you have Robbie Ashford. That's it. That's it right now. Hank Brown is coming. But it is vital, it is critical for Auburn to go land a quarterback in the transfer portal. They have to because you cannot roll into this season with your third-string quarterback being either Hank Brown, who just got on campus, just got on campus by the time the season comes around. He will have gotten on campus He gets on campus later this month, I guess, once he graduates high school, and he'll be here through the summer. He's a project. We know this. We have known this. He is a project. He's got to put on weight. He's got to develop. Hugh Freeze likes him. That's why he's going to be on the team. But there does not need to be a scenario where you are two plays away from Hank Brown being on the field in 2023, I guess, or your other option is Sawyer Pate the walk on quarterback from Thompson you cannot go into the season where your two options at third string quarterback are Hank Brown and Sawyer Pate can't do it especially with the injuries we saw at quarterback in the SEC this past year Arkansas Auburn Alabama Texas A&M all over the place Florida You had guys dropping like flies. Kentucky, you have to have depth. You have to. And if you don't, you can kiss the season goodbye. Because not only are you not starting an SEC caliber player at quarterback, you're going to crumple up all the progress heading into year one. If you go 4-8, 5-7. That's why it's critical for Auburn to go get a quarterback. The two names out there... Right now... The most talked about names... By far... Casey Thompson... The quarterback from Nebraska... By way of Texas... He went to Texas out of... High school... And uh, transferred to Nebraska... his time at Texas... He played... In 19 games... Um, he was a 63.8% passer, 2,422 yards, um, 30 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Last year in his only year at Nebraska, 63.1% passing across 10 games. There was an injury late in the year. Twenty-four hundred seven yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. This is somebody who is an upgrade. Because let me tell you, I got to watch that Nebraska team a decent amount this past year. Was They were not a good team. They were not a good offense. Scott Frost did not have Casey Thompson set up for success. But what's significant to me is despite that, Casey Thompson was a 63% completion percentage guy. If he can bring the interception total down a little bit, and being a being a scheme that fits his skill set better, I think we're talking about a guy who can up that touchdown pass total into the low to mid twenties, like he did at Texas, and I'll tell you what right right now, if I were to tell you, Casey Thompson comes to Auburn, completes sixty three percent of his passes for. 26, 2,700 yards, 24 touchdowns and eight or nine interceptions, you take it in a heartbeat. You take it in a heartbeat and you'd say, sign me up for this eight and four, maybe nine and three season. And that's and that's the thing is Auburn hasn't had the quarterback play consistently to reach the potential of Auburn. It just hasn't happened. Burnex in his three years at Auburn, I guess it was three years at Auburn, yes. He didn't have a coach that could develop him. And I come back to this all the time. Gus Malzahn has yet, in his career, developed a high school quarterback. Every successful quarterback Gus Malzahn has ever had, he has either inherited, has been a junior college transfer, or a straight-up transfer. Every single one. So it's, he did not have a quarterback developer in his first two years. He did not have a guy who had the flexibility in his coaching style and scheme or just, I guess, general effort um, to work with him in 2021. I do think we saw a better version of Bo Nicks. We saw a guy who was trying to learn the quarterback position. And besides Bo Nix, I mean, you got one year of Jared Stidham. For that, you got to go back to, I guess, Sean White was okay. But Auburn can do better than what's currently on the roster. Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner. Casey Thompson is an upgrade over that. The other name, Peyton Thorne, the Michigan State transfer. He is somebody who I think, if I had to pick right now, if, if Auburn had to pick, I think they would pick Peyton Thorne. He's a guy that is a 61% passer for his career. He had a phenomenal year in 2021. And that Michigan State team was really, really good. 60.4% passing, 235 of 389, 3,232 yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, added 181 yards on the ground, 4 touchdowns. Last year, that roster was significantly worse at Michigan State. A lot of those one-time transfers were gone, like Kenneth Walker. Still was a 62.5% passer, 2,679 yards, 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. If you can bring that interception total down, surround him with some skill talent, maybe land a transfer receiver or two, give him a good offensive line, a good running game, in a Hugh Freeze-Philip Montgomery offense with the quarterback developers of Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, and Kent Austin, I think you would see a performance a lot closer to 2021 Michigan State. Maybe even bring the interception total down from there. And again, if you get that, we're talking about an 8-9 win Auburn team. Maybe better. I think Auburn is in a good spot. I think Auburn's in a really good spot. But it is vital for them to land a quarterback before this start of the 2023 season. Because you cannot roll into the season with the two guys you currently have. And that's it. We need to hit our first break of hour number one. We come back. Question of the day here on On The Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird soloing today's show because my co-host, Jacob Goins, he is on the road uh, getting ready to call some Lee Scott Academy baseball. The state semifinals at Glenwood for for the Warriors, a best-of-three series. Uh, games one and two today, starting at 3.30 on AU100. That's AU, That's 100.3 FM uh, and au100fm.com and the AU100 app, uh, if you want to keep track of that. Question of the day today, who do you want to be the starting quarterback for Auburn in 2023? And who gives Auburn the best chance for success? I know that there is a contingent of the Auburn fan base out there that believes Robbie Ashford is the guy and should be the guy. And Robbie Ashford can be great at Auburn. I don't disagree with that. I think the ceiling is high. I don't think 2023 is the time, though. I think he needs time to develop. I think he needs time to work on some of the -the off-the-field aspects of leading a football team. I think that there's... Um, time for him to grow for sure. But I don't think he needs to be forced into being the Auburn starter in 2023 because I don't think it'll go well. He's got to get better. He's got to get more accurate. He's got to limit interceptions. He's got to be able to throw that check down to the running back and not overthrow him like we saw against Jarquez Hunter. I can't recall the game, but there's one where Dracois Hunter is 5 feet away and he throws it 15 feet over his head. Look, he's a great athlete and his legs are a valuable asset. Last year in 12 games, 153 carries, 710 yards, 7 touchdowns. He doesn't need to be the starting quarterback in 2023. I look at a guy like Casey Thompson. That's an upgrade. Peyton Thorne. That's definitely an upgrade. Both of those guys make this Auburn team better. And frankly, I'm not sure if the season started today with the two guys currently on the roster. I'm not sure Robbie Ashford takes the first snap. If Auburn's playing UMass tomorrow, I think Holden Gerner takes the first snap. Because I think Hugh Freeze right now, he's valuing accuracy. And of his two guys left, Holton's the more accurate guy. That's just how I see it at this point in time. From talking to people, that's what I believe. I'm not saying Robbie Ashford can't be a great quarterback at Auburn. He has all the ability to do so. But also, kind of going back to our conversation last segment, you got to go get a quarterback, even if it's going to be Robbie Ashford in 2023. Because if you roll into the year with three scholarship quarterbacks, one of those being Hank Brown, you are severely limiting Robbie Ashford's best attribute, which is his legs. You will not be able to run him as freely when you don't have the depth, when you don't have the quality depth, the reliable depth, when you potentially... Could be two plays away from turning the reins over to Hank Brown. And we've seen Robbie Ashford over the last, I guess, seven months. His shoulder's gotten hurt twice. He was played through injury all last season. Multiple injuries, I will add. He missed time this spring due to the shoulder getting banged up again. So there's a little bit of a history here that he may get a little banged up. And you can't risk running him and using his best attribute to the best of its abilities if you don't have depth behind him. So we know Auburn has to go get a quarterback. I think the two guys thereafter are upgrades and will come in and start in 2023. I would be very surprised. I think the of the options of a transfer starting, Holden Gurner starting, or Robbie Ashford starting game one against UMass. I think Robbie Ashford starting is the least likely of the three, in my opinion. This is where I'm at right now. And look, I think I think Casey Thompson raises your floor significantly. I think your floor becomes around that seven-win mark. Your ceiling might be nine. Your ceiling may not be crazy high, but your floor raises. Peyton Thorne raises your floor and I think extends the ceiling a little bit. I think, I think these two guys take Auburn from a seven, seven-and-a-half-win team to an eight, maybe eight-and-a-half-win team. I think Peyton Thorne, if you get the best version of him, like like Michigan State did in 2021. If you get Michigan 2021 Peyton Thorne again at Auburn in 2023 with the scheme he's about to play in, I think that is a guy who could have an outside shot at potentially elevating this Auburn team to 10 wins. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I think I'd feel much more comfortable saying that I would say 8.5 would be my expectation. But this is the easiest Auburn schedule uh, Auburn has had in a long time. You should start 3-0. and Look, I know, I know what ESPN's Football Power Index, FPI, I know what it says. Gives you a 44% chance of winning at Cal. Don't buy it. Not a chance. They can't score. They can't score. Auburn should start 3-0. and Then you're 3-0 going to Texas A&M and you get Georgia at home. Those are going to be tough games. But how much is Texas A&M going to figure it out from last year, that was a disaster season, in the first three weeks? How quickly can they figure it out? They will have already been tested. They're on the road at Miami in week two. I think Auburn's at least got a chance to win that game. Georgia, different animal. Let's be honest. At LSU, I mean, you beat them there two years ago. You were competitive last year with Brian Harson. I don't think you're going to win because I think they've got the best quarterback in the SEC. And I think they're going to win the West. But I think you've you've got a chance there. I think you smash Ole Miss and you smash Mississippi State and you smash Vanderbilt. I think Arkansas is going to be awful. I think you, you reel off four straight wins, five straight wins right there because you get New Mexico State. Right there, that's eight wins before the Iron Bowl. I think peyton thorne and casey thompson elevate this auburn team i think peyton thorne gives you the best chance for success in 2023 coming up next daryl daprich the montgomery radio legend on the line to talk a little auburn football and basketball in the transfer portal
0: Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika Sports
1: Leader. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio. Solo in today's show because my co host Jacob Goins is on the road calling some Lee Scott Academy Baseball uh, as they are at Glenwood for the state semifinals in a best of three series. Uh, Games 1 and 2 are today, starting at 3.30 on AU100. That's 100.3 FM and au100fm.com and the AU100 app if you want to keep track of that. To start this segment, I want to introduce a guest that we've tried to have on, uh, but the phone lines were were down last week. But uh, Montgomery radio legend Daryl Daprich uh, coming on the show for the second time since at least I've been around. Uh, Daryl, welcome in. How are you?
2: Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're you're going a little solo flight today,
1: huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess with the with the Lee Scott Academy uh, baseball schedule here recently, especially once they've gotten to the end of the year and into the postseason, I've gotten to do this a, a few times here here recently. Uh, as as Jacob's been traveling a lot, calling a lot of games. But uh, Daryl, I want to jump into some football news because yesterday. In the transfer portal, we finally saw the first domino fall for Auburn. Jalen McLeod, the Appalachian State kind of linebacker edge, he commits to Auburn to play the jack position. What's your immediate reaction to that, and what does he bring to the table for Auburn? I,
2: I really liked him. Out of all the, the jack position linebackers that Auburn was looking at, Steven Sings from Liberty. Oh, cool. I think you pronounced that right. From um, James Madison, there was a couple other guys too that were uh, Jahim Thomas, the guy that ended up going to uh, from Cincinnati. That I can't remember exactly where he committed to. The rumor was Wisconsin, but I think he went. Can't remember where he went, but he did not Arkansas. That's right. Travis Williams mm-hmm. got him. So out of all those Jack linebackers, McLeod's the one on film that I like the most. But also recall watching. With Glee, as Texas A&M was getting beat by Appalachian State last year, him makes some big plays down the stretch 100%. in that game. Pressured, yeah, and so I, I remember thinking, this guy's a stud. And then when he got in the portal, I was secretly hoping that that would be the one that Auburn signed. I think they're still in on the James Madison kid. But So I'm thrilled. I think that he's the prototypical Jack linebacker, the edge guy that can come off the edge and be very disruptive. Mm -hmm. I think it gives you depth, and it also gives you the ability to show patience with Falk on the other end. Because I I do believe Falk's going to be a monster and is going to contribute and get some sacks. But it gives you the opportunity with McAllister and Falk there to just kind of rotate guys in in and out, and you don't have to rush Falk, but I think he's going to make an immediate impact this fall.
1: 100%. I mean, he's a guy with FBS experience with uh, some pretty decent numbers last year, getting six sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, 41 tackles. What jumps out to me is, well, one, the leverage he plays with because he's he is just 6'1", and I think he's listed at 225 pounds. He'll probably be a little bit bigger than that by the time the season rolls around. Uh, but the leverage he plays with and the violence and how just that motor never quits. And I think a guy like that is extremely valuable, especially when you're trying to set a culture in year one, uh, what what kind of leadership do you think this Jack position could have now with a McLeod and with a McAllister to kind of lead the way for this year one defense under Ron Roberts and Hugh Freeze?
2: It's a great point. I think McAllister, uh, an attribute to him that's very underrated is he seems like a very well-spoken, polished young man, you know, played at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I think he's the kind of kid that will take Falk and McLeod and really just embrace them in the room, in the in the linebacker room, and make them feel like, you know, they're a special unit and provide some leadership off the field as well as on the field. So, you know, I wouldn't underestimate McAllister's impact on a McLeod and a Falk. I think that's great. And I think they'll probably get one more. Just, you know, my feeling or prediction is that Almer will get another one. And that McAllister will be the leader of that group. I think he's a seasoned veteran. When you talk about McLeod and you talk about his leverage, his, his first step, you can't coach. You just can't coach it when you watch it on film. And I also don't get caught up in group of five kids' gaudy numbers until I go back and watch highlights of what they did against Power Five schools. And that's why I'm so high on McLeod because of how disruptive he was against Texas A&M who's been known for the last couple of years to have a pretty decent offensive line. Now, a lot of those guys graduated in 22, and they struggled a little bit last year. But you're right, all those factors, McAllister being a leader for, and a mentor for Falk, McLeod having experience at the FBS level but doing well against a Power 5 school. You add one more Jack, like the kid from James Madison or someone else, and I, I really believe that room goes from suspect to strength. In a course of maybe a week or two.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I made the comparison. Uh, you always love to see with a guy like McLeod um, when, he, like you said, his best game was against a Power Five team in Texas A&M. I made the comparison to Brian Betty, who last year went off against Florida, showed that uh-huh. he can do something. And when you look at a guy like Isaac Ukuu, uh I mean, his best game last season against Louisville, a Power 5 team there. So what would the addition of a guy like Isaac Uku do, and and how, how productive do you think that this jack position could be? And this is a jack position that, what, a couple months ago, we weren't sure how many guys were going to be in the room and where any production was going to come from?
2: Yeah, and you lose a guy like Dylan Brooks, and this is why that's not a big loss. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you know you've got a couple guys lined up that have a little more size and speed. I think the other underrated attribute of a guy like McLeod or um, is not only the pass rush uh, tendency, but you know, in a day uh, as you probably saw for yourself, Auburn had a really hard time. Their safeties and their outside linebackers setting the edge against the run. Anytime Robbie Ashford or Batee or Hart Hunter or anybody bounced outside, Auburn had a hard time containing that edge and let them get outside you've got if you get a guy like oku to, to match up with mccloud and you and and fault come in and do that setting the edge and not allowing guys to get around and outside where auburn gave up a lot of yards in the a-day game is also very valuable it's not just a pass rush situation you've got to be able to you know string things out along the line of scrimmage with running backs that are quick and that can bounce outside that's another attribute that I think these guys could bring to the table in a Ron Roberts defense that would really be beneficial for our secondary, for the secondary that's supposed to be very, you know, rated pretty high and a strength of the football
3: team.
1: Daryl, we know the most talked about position generally on any team is the quarterback. Uh, it seems to be especially talked about a lot right now with Auburn. It's been, uh, we have long theorized that Auburn was going to go get a quarterback in the transfer portal. It appears that they are down to two guys right now: Casey Thompson from Nebraska and Peyton Thorne from Michigan State. Uh, what are your thoughts about both of those guys? And uh, if you had to choose, which one are you picking?
2: Well, I like both guys, but I'm going to say something publicly now that we can that we all kind of suspected through sources privately, because Brian Stoltz from Rivals tweeted it out that just about an hour ago that Peyton Thorne was the guy that Hugh Freeze targeted. So it's not that he didn't like Casey Thompson. And I think Casey Thompson would be a tremendous asset and make the quarterback room better. We had heard rumblings that for whatever reason, he liked Peyton Thorne. And, you know, an Auburn beat writer just confirmed that about an hour Mm -hmm. ago that Hugh freeze for whatever reason, you know, is it, obviously he's not the runner, in an RPO system, Peyton Thorne from Michigan State is, but he makes the throws. He does a great job of escaping and climbing the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield. He is fast, and he puts the ball where it needs to be. So I would be very happy with either one. I really would. I think that the only reason why I would show deference towards Peyton Thorne is because if that is true and Hugh Freeze prefers him, then I'm going to trust what you freeze eyes tell him. And yep. with him saying last week at that ambush event in Huntsville, hey, everybody that jumps into the portal, it's almost like he's reading message boards. It's unbelievable. Everybody that jumps <laughs> into the portal, all the Auburn fans are like, get him, get him, whether it was Spencer Sanders or some other guys that, that entered the portal. But he stayed patient, and he, he didn't jump. He knew what he wanted. He knew the attributes, the characteristics that he wanted. And so I think that because of that and him saying, I'll know when I see it, um, this is what he sees. Uh, this is this is this is an example of him waiting for the right guy and not jumping at all these other names that jumped in, and the fans just having to show patience and trusting Hugh Freeze, seeing what he wanted and getting going after it. I think that's what we see right now in Peyton Thorn to a lesser extent, Casey Thompson.
1: When you look at these two names out there, and it does certainly seem that Peyton Thorne is the uh, top target, and I mean. On the Auburn beat, we, we know that Brian Stoltz is probably as as connected as anybody when it comes to, to, to Hugh Freeze and everything, so it makes sense that uh, he would have a general idea. How much would an addition of one of these two guys raise the floor for Auburn and raise the expectations and the ceiling for 2023?
2: I think that it raises an expectation to the extent that the quarterback play in the quarterback room, albeit you could win a certain amount of games, I think it adds a percentage or a, a plus-minus of one or two wins, a plus one or two wins by getting somebody. I think because of the fact that there's already talent that these guys have exhibited, both of them, Thompson and Thorne, at, at, at a Power 5 level, you combine that with getting with Hugh Freeze, who seems to be a quarterback whisperer, and Philip Montgomery. And then, okay, so that in itself is enough to raise the level. I think it can get you a win or two more. But what I think it does more importantly is a domino effect. I think we see these receivers like Coleman from Michigan State that enter the portal and Lamonius Montana Craig and the kid from Texas San Antonio. They get in the portal, they get offered, and then they haven't made a decision yet. Well I think that's a good thing that they haven't jumped to another school. I think they're waiting on what's going to happen at the quarterback position at Auburn. And if they see a proven guy with good stats, I mean, look at it, Thorne's stats in 2021, they were really, really good. I mean, he threw for 3,200 yards and 27 mm-hmm. touchdowns. They regressed a little bit last year, um, but, you know, I, I followed the Pitt Panthers, and he shredded Pitt in the, in the Peach ball two years ago, so mm-hmm. Thorne did. So I, I think you've got something on film that shows a guy that can get the ball downfield and get it to receivers. I think that it raises the floor, not only with bringing him into the quarterback room, but what dominoes could fall that could come along with him from a receiver position. Because if I'm a receiver, I want to see who, who's throwing the ball to me. Yes. Auburn hasn't had a really good track record with putting receivers in the league. You Freeze has. So if you combine U Freeze with a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield, then I think you're going to start to see a snowball effect, and maybe a couple receivers jump on board, too.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, if you land a Peyton Thorne, I think everybody's uh, minds are going to jump to a guy like Keon Coleman, uh, somebody who's in the portal who last year for Michigan State had 58 catches for 798 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, I mean, Auburn's receiving group as in, as a complete unit last year barely put up uh, similar numbers to that, so I think Auburn would be very interested in a guy like that. I think picking up a couple other pieces would be huge. Do you see Peyton Thorne being the domino that, or or Casey Thompson being the domino that sets off a chain reaction of three or four dominoes immediately thereafter?
2: I do. Um, I don't know about, about the offensive line. I know we've got Muskrat out there. Auburn's got Muskrat out there taking visits and they offered him, and you know he played for Phil, Philip Montgomery as a as an offensive tackle. He's from Tulsa, and so that may be the only other offensive. And then the Markel Bell, who's a JUCO transfer, I think you, that's a kid that Auburn's very high on to uh, to to come in and be backup. But but other than that, I think you would see a domino effect from receiver more than anything else. I, I think Auburn's good in the tight end room, but I think you get a quarterback. You get a guy on tape that's proven having one at the Power 5 level and get the ball downfield, I think you'd see one, maybe two receivers immediately, and it would be a domino effect, and perhaps another offensive tackle. If Auburn gets one more offensive tackle as a a backup or a guy that can play multiple positions, like muskrat tackle or guard, gets two receivers that are put-up numbers, whether it's the Colorado kid, Craig, or the Texas San Antonio kid that somebody tweeted something out that blew my mind, his career stats would make him like number one on Auburn all-time receiving if he just came over with the stats he had or the the kid Coleman from Michigan State. And then you get one more Jack, linebacker, I would feel really, really good about yeah. the reconstruction of that roster going into the fall.
1: 100%. I'm 100% with you there. I think that, that the building blocks would be there for a really solid foundational year one under Hugh Freeze. Switching gears here quickly to basketball Daryl how do you feel sure. about what what Bruce Pearl has done in the transfer portal landing guys like Cheney Johnson uh, Denver Jones uh, and pursuing guys like Tyron Lawrence Matthew Cleveland how do you how do you view it going so far and uh, how do you think it's going to end up for Bruce Pearl and company?
2: I think he gets one more. I think that, you know, I love the Jones and Cheney Johnson uh, additions. I think Chaney Johnson's a very, very underrated player because he played in the Gulf South. But I will tell you this, just like with Janai Broom, Bruce Pearl, when he schedules these games, and I was there when Alabama Huntsville played Auburn in an exhibition this year just to kind of lay my eyes on the new guys. I kept looking at Zach Blackerby and going, this Chenny Johnson dude's pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. he lit Auburn up for 18 in that game, and I think that caught the attention of Bruce Pearl. I love Denver Jones, the pure shooter at the two-guard. I think Auburn's one player away, a wing player, from making this roster another reconstruction of the roster very successful, where I'd given an A. you got to get that wing, whether it's Cleveland or Lawrence, who they're rumored to be a little bit higher on because of his defensive abilities. They both have similar statistics. I think Lawrence shot the three better the second half of the year. And the other thing about Lawrence is his arrow's going up. You know, you look at his last three or four games, including the NIT, and he was scored 20 points, 18 points. So that's that lasting impression. I take either one right now to solidify the, the wing, and I would, I would call it a day and say this is a, a great roster the way it sits right now to compete uh, in the SEC and to, in the, and to further advance in the NCAA tournament. Uh, again, I think they like Lawrence a little bit better because of his upside with how he played as a sophomore at the end of the year last year. That he's supposed to be a little bit better defensively, but either one give you some size at wing, some desired three point shooting, and I think complete the circle of doing a great job uh, from a roster reconstruction point. Bruce Pearl, I would give it an A if he gets one of those two dudes. And maybe, maybe I don't know, Carter, what you think about this. I'm I'm okay with where the bigs are, but I'm hearing you know. Other than Cardwell and Broom, you got Jalen Williams and Cheney Johnson backing him up. I don't really agree or subscribe to the theory that Auburn needs a, another big. I think they're set if they just get a wing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. But Daryl, I mean, a, a lot of reason for optimism right now on the mm-hmm. plains. Appreciate your time today. Where can everybody keep track of you and everything you've got going on?
2: Well, I'm on uh, W. Uh, I'm on the Good Morning uh, Auburn Overlap. Good morning, with Ben Taylor, WNAI uh, in the mornings at seven ten on Mondays, and then Zach. I'm with Zach pretty much every week, uh, host or co-hosting or guest being a guest on his podcast. It just depends on what day it is, but I'll be doing one tonight that they're going to be airing tomorrow. So I'm with Zach, and then on Tuesdays I'm on the Max Roundtable on your sister station there on ESPN, the Ticket, where we do that about I think around eleven fifteen on Tuesdays with Doug Amos. So. You can catch me at any of those locations.
1: Sounds good. Appreciate it, Daryl. We, we, we got to do this again soon, man.
2: Be glad to. Carter, love it. Thanks again for having me on.
1: Appreciate it. That was Daryl Daprich, the Montgomery Radio legend. We need to get to our last break of hour number one. We come back, we will wrap up hour number one and get you set for hour number two.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at
1: 888-382-7502. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio, solo in today's show. Because my co-host, Jacob Goins, he is on the road uh, calling some Lee Scott Academy baseball as they are at Glenwood for the state semifinals of uh, the first it's a best of three series for the Warriors games one and two starting today at 330 on AU 100 100.3 FM uh, and aU100fM.com uh, and the AU100 app uh, just kind of talking about uh, the some other baseball that you might be interested in that took place yesterday the Braves uh, continue to just get it done slowly uh, with a six to nothing win. Uh, as they went on the road and took on the Miami Marlins, as they are now 20-10 and 10 this year. Uh, yesterday, they were powered by uh, a bunch of really uh, innings with one run. You had Ozzy Albies hitting a home run, and then you the rest were kind of small ball. Singles and walks and sack flies. Traditionally not what you see in Major League Baseball. Game 2 coming up uh, today. Uh, as they, at 540, uh, game two against the Marlins. That's going to do it for hour number one. When we come back, Jack Hudden on the line. You're on the line here in the Auburn Network studio, Carter Bird, uh, Solo in today's show, Jacob Goins, my co-host, is on the road calling some Lee Scott Academy baseball as the Warriors are at Glenwood today for the state semifinals in a best-of-three series. Uh, games one and two are today starting at 3.30 on AU100. Uh, that's 100.3 FM. AU100FM.com and the AU100 app. To start hour number two, we are joined by a great friend of the program and a good buddy of mine, Jack Hudden. Jack, welcome in, man. How are you?
4: Hey, man. I'm good. Ready to talk a little bit of Auburn sports, everything happening around the sports world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's jump right into it. I think the news of the day yesterday was... Auburn's first domino of this transfer portal period finally fell Jalen McLeod the Appalachian state edge uh, and Jack he he commits to Auburn I'm curious your thoughts on the on the addition and what he brings to the table for the Tigers
4: it's something that we talked about uh, when I was when I was in yesterday a little bit but I really think that McLeod is going to be a guy that Auburn relies on primarily in the pass rush game um i think his his run defense is is good uh but he's being brought in to be that edge rushing guy um that auburn puts in on a when they know a passing down is coming um i think he's gonna be somebody that because he, he proved himself very well last season i felt like in the sunbelt when he was in a similar role with appalachian state didn't really have the, the time or the snaps necessarily that you would think for one of their best defensive linemen. But when you look at his production, I mean, when he was on the field and you look at what he did, he was one of their best players on defense. And so um, this is a big pickup. I think some Auburn fans may look at the stats and go, and he's not really – he hadn't really produced at a very high level. But I would point you to uh, maybe some more advanced statistics of looking at what he does when he's on the field you know, he's got the the strip sack that uh, you see from the Texas A&M game that I know you've brought up a few times. Um, I think uh, there was, I think, one of the message boards last night was doing a, a rundown of, of his game against Coastal Carolina this past season who was a ranked team for the majority of the year. I mean, this guy has, has been up against good competition, and although he's in the Sun Belt, he's played games against Texas A&M, Miami. You know, you had – some teams in the Sun Belt that were highly ranked, and so I think this is a good pickup for Auburn, and I think it's one that Auburn can can look at and say, "Hey, we think that uh, he's going to provide some production for us, regardless of the the lack of statistics." Maybe.
1: Yeah, when me when you look at an an addition like Jalen McLeod, uh, especially with Dylan Brooks hitting the portal at a thin a jack position. Is this a net positive for Auburn with Dylan Brooks heading out the door and Jalen McLeod coming in?
4: I think it is because I don't think that you were really getting anything from Dylan Brooks and, and then you bring in a player like McLeod that I think you're going to you're going to trust more in these in these past packages on defense. And so um, you know, I just don't know if Auburn was really getting anything out of Dylan Brooks. Now that remains to me seen what he would have done for this Auburn team this coming year. Uh, you know, we don't know what kind of role he would have been in, but from the notes from practice, from the depth chart that we were seeing, it didn't really look like he was progressing up the depth chart any. And so, you know, this is a guy that you're bringing in that's going to be in that too deep on the defensive line, especially at that edge position. Um, I think that you're, you're hoping that Kildrick Falk can just be the beast that you brought him in to be. But um, as a freshman, you know, that's going to take time. And so, you got to have a little stopgap here, and I think McLeod fits that really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think Auburn's going to continue to, I mean, to try to add at the Jack position and other positions. I know Isaac Uku was also on campus this week. The James Madison Edge. How much can that position kind of transition from a glaring weakness because of the lack of depth and production, almost into a strength by just landing a, a couple guys like this?
4: I would say you look at the guys who Auburn has had in previous years and you see the importance of the position, even just having one guy that can do it really well. I mean, you know, before Derek Hall this past season for Auburn, he was kind of that edge player most of the time, and he kind of had that stiff rush to him. But before him, you had a guy like Jeff Holland um, back around the 2017 season where that was a, a real quick twitch that guy that could get off the line um, you know, had the I think he, was he the guy that um, was famous for doing the martial arts combat, yes, uh, with hand combat stuff. And so, I think you know, he, I think was he was called
1: the, himself Sensei Mud. If I want, yeah, Sensei that Mud. That's
4: right, that's right. But you had him. Um, you go back to another guy, and he was a little bit more of a strong side defensive end, but he he did fit the the pass rusher mold of uh, Marlon Davidson. You get Carl Lawson before him, so there, there's been a long line of Auburn. Uh, on the edge that have been able to come off and get to the, get to the, the quarterback. And, you know, I don't think that Auburn is necessarily going to be void of one this season now, because I think McLeod fixed that role. I think Keldrick Falk is probably the next in line. Um, but again, you need a stopgap there. And I think getting McLeod allows you to kind of breathe for a season, develop Keldrick Falk, um, get him into that, uh, you know, that, that, guy that is going to have experience, really that premier pass rusher in your defense.
1: When you talk about the transfer portal right now at Auburn, the position that comes up is obviously quarterback. It's the most talked about position on any any football team, but it especially is right now at Auburn. With the two targets out there, Casey Thompson and Peyton Thorne, uh, what do they bring to the table if they were to end up at Auburn? And uh, if you had to pick, Jack, which way are you leaning, Peyton Thorne or Casey Thompson?
4: Well, I think talking about it yesterday I'm in the same vein, I I don't think I've really wavered on this, but I, I do think that um, I'm leaning a little bit towards Peyton Thorne uh, if I were to pick one uh, that Auburn could go get. But I do think after watching some of what um, after after watching some of what Thompson brings to the table. To me, he looks more like, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, Carter. He kind of looks like that Russell Wilson mold almost. It's yep. it's this very low to the ground pad running, but he's also got the ability to to throw it a country mile whenever he steps back. And so, I think he's got potential for these huge passing games. I got, I think he's got these potential for these huge rushing games. Um, really, I think it was going to be interesting to see what Thompson does this next year. Wherever he ends up is. Can he put those together in one game? You know, can he be a guy that that does both for the majority of the game and really um, threatens a defense like that both ways? Um, you know, we've we've really yet to see that. He had the big performance a couple of years ago when he was at Texas and the Red River Rival. Goes for I think it was like like three hundred and eighty yards, maybe it was more than that um, against Oklahoma, um, and then last year against Northwestern, I think was his big time you know coming out game which. Um I think Northwestern actually ended up winning that one if I'm if, I, if they I'm did correct. buddy
1: I, that was that was my one moment of celebration for the 2022 season.
4: <laughs> yeah that was that was Carter's big time win for the for his cats but I mean anyways so I think that was the game where a lot of people look back to and say oh this is where he showed his rushing ability really well you know he has the one play where he kind of scrambles around in the backfield and then makes the big 50 yard throw to his receiver so um you know again highlights but If you're looking at consistency, if you're looking at a guy that I think fits this Hugh Freeze offense really well and and, um, somebody that Philip Montgomery and Kent Austin are going to be a lot more able to uh, kind of have as their disciple and and, and move forward in this offense, I think it's Peyton Thorne. I mean, going back to his 2021 season where he almost takes Michigan State to a college football playoff, um, you know, he had a little bit of a dip in production last year, but He's an experienced guy. He's run this style of offense before. He's a pass-first guy that has good legs when he needs them. I think that that's the guy that Auburn really wants in the offense. And so I think he's your 1A. Um, but uh, if something doesn't work out there, then I think Casey Thompson is going to be a good fit. I think Peyton Thorne is the better fit.
1: How much of a of an upgrade would these two guys be at Auburn? And what would they do to the expectations? Would they would they rise the floor? Would they rise expectations in general? Would the ceiling go up with them? How do you view them if they were the starting quarterback at Auburn in 2023?
4: Well, I do think Robbie Ashford has some things that allow him to uh, affect the game. And so we saw that last season in the Iron Bowl. We saw that um, against Mississippi State. I mean, against Texas A&M even, we saw him affect the game. Really, even against LSU, we saw Robbie Ashford affect the game with his arm there in the first quarter. Um, And then, you know, things kind of went downhill from there. But we've seen it from Robbie Ashford. and So I'm not one of those that that sits down and thinks, oh, Auburn can only win three games with Robbie Ashford at quarterback. I think this is a six- or seven-win team uh, with Robbie Ashford at quarterback, especially given the schedule this season you're going to get the Alabama and Georgia's of the of the world at home. Um, you know, you also get the Mississippi schools. You're going to get them on the road. So those are your road games this season. And I guess if you're moving forward, even more so.
1: Do we lose you, Jack? Oh, we lost Jack. Uh oh. We will try to get Jack back on the phone line. Uh, yeah. We will try to get Jack Hudden back on the line. We lost him there. He's on a drive because he has uh, some Auburn high softball coming up here tonight as they um, are continuing their playoff run. I think they are in a uh, a must-win situation today where I think they may have to, potentially, for the way it's been portrayed to me, they may have to reel off three wins today because I think if they if they win their first game at 4:30, I think it's on W Lee if I recall that correctly, um then they will have a couple games in a row after that and I think they've got to win all three to advance. Uh it'll certainly be interesting to see uh how this this Auburn High softball uh team reacts to to have being in such a must win situation today we're going to head to a break right now we're going to try to get jack back on the phone line here to continue the uh conversation that we were having uh so don't 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 go anywhere we will try to get jack Hudden back on the line
0: you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app
1: Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On The Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio. So along with today's show, uh, Jake Goins is on the road calling Lee Scott Academy Baseball at Glenwood State Semifinals, the best of three series. Games one and two today starting at 3.30. So coming up here in a few minutes on AU100. That's 100.3 FM uh, and AU100FM.com and the AU100 app. Well, we had him on the line, and then the uh, phone call dropped, Jack, welcome back, buddy. Uh, glad we were able to get you back on the line. Jack, are you there? I'm headed up to. There he is. There he is. We we got him now.
4: So I'm headed up to uh, Phoenix City right now, Central High School, where uh, Auburn High School softball plays tonight. Um, they are taking on Smith Station at 4:30, and then uh, winner of that game. Head to Faith Central, and so uh, headed up there right now, and maybe going through uh, maybe not the best cell phone service it's, area. So. It's my understanding.
1: That, but, uh, it's my understanding that if they win the first game, they play immediately after, and if they win that, they play immediately after again.
4: Not quite. So uh, what you've got happening tonight is uh, a continuation of what was going on this previous week. So uh, we had a little mix up with when the tournament was actually beginning. Um, so elimination game to get into the um, championship game. So that's going to be – Central has already bought themselves a spot in that game. Um, Today it is Auburn and Smith Station who played each other a couple nights ago. Uh, Yesterday Smith Station won in the loser's bracket and Auburn lost in the winner's bracket. And so this will be the game to decide um, who comes to the area championship game, and that will be played tonight. Um, so, if Auburn can win that game against Miss Station here coming up here in about an hour and a half, um, then they will take on Central tonight.
1: So, is it a one win against Central coming out of the losers bracket, and you win the thing, or are they going to have to win twice?
4: Well, they're just going to have to win. Um, as I understand it, it's just an area. It's a, it's a championship game, and so it's only one. Um, it's only one kind of like the College World Series was okay. a few years ago. Um, so that's my understanding. If that's but, the case,
1: uh, that is not what I was told earlier today. So we will. Okay. Well, I would. I would be a little. I would be aware that you might be calling three games tonight, based on what I was told. Hey,
4: hey, if so, bring it on, baby. I love it. The <laughs> Auburn High School softball ladies. I'm telling you, man, this was. This has been a really fun season to cover. Last year, they won 11 regular season games, and they go to the regional tournament after winning two straight in the area tournament. Uh, this year, they've won almost 30 games in the regular season. Um, last night, almost took down the 6th rate Central Red Devils. So exciting time for this team, and uh, really, man, I hope I only. Um, I, well, I hope I do have to call three if that's the case, just because uh, that would mean Auburn gets an area tournament tonight. But yep. um, biggest one, biggest one is this first one. If you get this one, you're top two in the area, and that means you do, you move on to next week, the regional finals in Montgomery
1: yeah absolutely it's a must win scenario tonight for Auburn softball jumping back into our conversation I forget exactly where you left off Jack but uh where 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 were you in your thought process when when the phone call dropped last time
4: yeah so and I don't know exactly where it was either because because I was over here talking away and then um waited on a a response from you and noticed that uh, I wasn't on anymore so um I don't know exactly where it was I, I think Maybe where I was leaving off was just talking about, uh, Casey Thompson, Peyton Thorne. Um, which of those two guys I I think may be more of Auburn's speed with this, with this Auburn football, um, roster. I think Peyton Thorne is probably going to be the guy that they, um, are more interested in, in terms of just because he's got a little more experience with actually playing at a high level at a power five, um, school for, you know, an extended season. Um, I think he's also going to be a guy that knows what you're trying to do with him. I mean, he's going to be a pass-first guy that that can run afterwards. And so, um, look, I I think if you're Auburn, I think you go hard after Peyton Thorne, um, and then you go hard after trying to find a wide receiver in this class.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you land Peyton Thorne, everybody's eyes are going to go to Keon Coleman, uh, the Michigan State receiver that's in the portal right now. A really big guy, 6'4", 210 pounds last year in 12 games, 58 receptions for 798 yards and 7 touchdowns. I mean, heck, 798 yards by one guy, that's almost more than I feel like the entire Auburn Receiving Corps had last year. So I think everybody's mind goes there. I think you look to add uh, a couple receivers and, and a guy like Peyton Thorne. How much does, does, does that move the needle? and and intrigue guys and and allow you to attack these receivers in the transfer portal and fill another need for Auburn?
4: I think it does, and really not necessarily a, a theoretical thought. It, it's more just what you've seen from previous transfer portal cycles. I mean, last year, Caleb Williams goes out to USC, and then what do you get? You get Jordan Addison, probably the best receiver in the portal last year from Pittsburgh. He commits out there. I mean, it's a it's an illustration that good players want to go play with other good players, and so um, you know if you if you especially if you bring in a guy that you already know that you already have chemistry with, um, you know if Thorne isn't the reason that that Coleman's leaving, um, which is hopefully not the case, then yeah, I think that's that's the guy that Aubrey could look to. Um, I know another guy that they hosted here recently, Montana Lamonius Craig. Did I get that right from from Colorado yes. who entered a portal? Um, and so no, and Caleb
1: Auburn. Burton, the Ohio State transfer.
4: Yes, yeah, and so you know maybe does maybe does Auburn do a little switcheroo with uh, with Craig and Chick Dawson, who just committed to Colorado the other day, um, and then right, yeah, Caleb Burton, who uh, from Ohio State, who was in a, on a visit the other day. You know, there's a lot of guys that are that are on the board right now. Let's say Auburn brings in even one or two of those guys. I mean, that's a big change in. Uh, your receiver room next year because that's probably going to be a guy that comes in and assumes a starter role outside. So, um, you know, it's going it to be interesting to see what happens. But I think if you get Thorne, you're definitely going to attract, you know, Coleman, maybe a couple other guys that are going to want to play with a good player in, in Thorne.
1: Yeah, I mean, j- just how dynamic do you think this this offense for Auburn could get in 2023 with a guy like Peyton Thorne and maybe a couple of these receiver transfers like a Keon Coleman?
4: Well, I do think it depends uh, very much on what your offensive line gives you. And we've heard good things so far. We've heard good things before about position groups, and it turns out to you know, maybe not be quite true. But um, I do think that this offensive line is, is beginning to take a step forward. You bring in three transfers, and at the same time, you also have a good bit of depth behind them um, that, have, that have played some meaningful snaps. You know, Tate Johnson um, is going to be a guy that, may not get may not get the starting nod at center or at guard, but he's going to be a guy that's been in SEC ball before. He's going to be a guy that has seen that, uh, that work in the trenches before. And so, you know, you've got guys that are going to be um, – they're going to be guys that are experienced enough to give you some good quality depth. I'm really looking at the offensive line. If that can become, um, you know, a strength for Auburn this year, Look, with Jarquez Hunter in the backfield and, and a couple other backs that you know you're going to be able to run the ball well, I think if you've got a good enough quarterback, your receivers, yeah, they need to be really good and athletic. But, I mean, there's a myriad of different receivers out there that, that I think have pretty similar skill sets. It's just about getting them the ball. Um, and I think Auburn's got plenty of potential to do that and plenty of athleticism to do that. It's just getting them the ball. So, yeah, I think you get a quarterback that can get those guys the ball and spread it around – We've seen what a Hugh Freeze offense can be before, and, and the word is, like you say, it's dynamic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you've got the the football portal that seems to be picking up steam, the basketball portal. We know Bruce Pearl has continued to land guys uh, kind of sporadically throughout the portal. I think we might see some news relatively soon uh, on a guy or two when you look at how these these two programs are piecing stuff together, how much optimism should be out there for this for Auburn fans watching the basketball and football programs?
4: For the both the programs, like I, I'm not going to sit on here and, and say Auburn can uh, win the national championship next year. I, I do think it's plausible that in the coming years Auburn starts to get into that that conversation for football. Um, but and this may be a little bit um, early, I think for the basketball window. I certainly think that Auburn's beginning to make a run at more of that, especially if you get some of these guys that you're rumored to be getting. I mean, you know, you bring in um, Denver Jones, of course, is going to be at the, the shooting guard spot, and this is for basketball, of course. But you bring in a Denver Jones, you bring in uh, a Chaney Johnson, maybe you go get a Tyron Lawrence from from Vanderbilt, and then maybe you even bring in one more piece. You know, I know Matthew Cleveland is still out there for Auburn fans. I mean. You know, these are these are big name guys that if you get, you're right back in the conversation to be, you know, really good.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Jack. I mean, Auburn baseball, they've got a big series this weekend, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, but uh, it was just announced that the first ever eagle flight at a baseball game will take place on Friday night. Uh, with that in mind, with number one LSU coming to town, how important is this weekend? And what would be a success for this Auburn team?
4: Well, I think yesterday I, I came on and kind of talked about the model that I that I typically kind of view this as. If you go in the SEC, I mean, if you're getting two at home and one on the road in a series, that puts you at 15-15 and 15 by the end of the year. And that has been seen for a long time as kind of the mark that you need to get into the NCAA tournament. Carter, I'll be honest with you, in previous years, if you get to 13 and 17, it's not unheard of to get into the tournament. I mean, and it's, it's, it's a little bit lower percentage, but the 2019 Auburn team that was a two seed at Georgia Tech, they were 13 and 17 in the league. Auburn has made it to 13 and 17 again before. You have a couple other teams that have made it to three seed to 13 and 17 teams. And so, um, look, I think now that you're at 9 and 12, you got four wins to get to that mark. I probably think with. Auburn's overall record this year. They probably need five more wins to, to make sure they get in. But Carter, if you can somehow find a way to get two against this LSU team after what you did against South Carolina, and you can come down the stretch and win these last two series, I really don't think that it is out of the question that Auburn could begin to peek into that conversation to host. And and I know that'd that be something, little, huh? Yeah, that'd be a little bit shocking for a lot of people but, I mean you start looking at this you get down the stretch to about 35 and 20 overall and you have 16 SEC wins that's a resume to host especially with a top 30 top 20 RPI so yeah. um, look this could go a lot of different ways I think success this weekend is Auburn taking at least one um, and if you get two yes. the season kind of turns on its head
1: appreciate it Jack good good luck on the broadcast this uh, evening buddy
0: you are on the line with Jacob Goerts and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird solo in today's show in the Auburn Network studio as Jacob Goins is on the road calling Lee Scott Academy Baseball. They should be just underway at Glenwood as the Warriors are in the state semifinals uh, in a best-of-three series against Glenwood. Games one and two are today on AU100. That's 100.3 FM, uh, AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app. All right, so we're going to introduce a new guest here, somebody we've never had on, uh, Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Good to have you on, Austin. Welcome to the show, man.
3: Good to be here, Carter. How you doing? Doing all right,
1: man. It's uh it's you're you're obviously with Bama Central. We we knew Joey Blackwell for a long time. He was a weekly guest guest, and uh, we we're happy to welcome you on for the first time here on On the Line. And I guess we gotta we gotta jump into what I think is the biggest storyline uh around Alabama from this past week, and that is Alabama ties with Georgia at the NFL draft for most draft picks with 10 draft picks in this past NFL draft. What does that say about this Alabama program and how they continue to pump out NFL talent year in and year out?
3: Right. It's year in and year out, right, for, for programs like Alabama and Georgia every now and then. You'll see, it, you'll see an LSU team get in there and have you know seven or eight get drafted like they did um, after that national championship a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of run of the mill at this point. You know, it's exciting to talk about. It's like it's still kind of is a little crazy, but, um, you know, that there's, what, 22 players that start on the football field and nearly half of them every year, it seems like, um, end up on NFL teams. So, obviously, Bryce Young goes number one. There was a little bit of debate for a while, um, which, in my mind, I always thought he probably deserved to be the number one pick. I thought he kind of had the best tape. Uh, you've heard that a lot from NFL analysts. And just the guy he is, I think it's not surprising to me at all that the Panthers kind of learned to love him in the draft process and kind of the guy he is and also the player he is on the field. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about his size and everything like that. But at the end of the day, a couple of days before the draft, the odds flipped and it was like, OK, it looks like it's going to be Bryce Young now. And then eventually, obviously, it was.
1: When you when you talk about Bryce Young, you mentioned it. There's a lot has been made of the size concerns how do you view that? Do you think he can hold up over a 17-game NFL season, year in year out? And uh, how how much of, I guess, how much of a microscope will he be under, especially in these first couple of years in the NFL?
3: Huge microscope. Obviously, you going into that franchise, he's probably going to be asked to start day one, um, which we might not see from a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. But Frank Young's probably going to be starting week one in the NFL. And, you know, when that's the case, the microscope's huge. He's the number one pick. He's got all that guaranteed money. Um, and they're counting on him a lot. So the, the size, obviously, people are going to talk about it. They're going to probably talk about it his whole career, regardless of how much success he has on the field. Um, and I think he kind of said it best. We, we interviewed him a lot. and Of course, we asked him that we were kind of given the, the, the pre-questions that he was going to get at the draft process, like how are you going to answer um, to your size and everything? And he kind of said – like, you know, I, I understand it's a concern, but I think my play stands for itself. And um, personally, I saw him take a lot of hits over the last two years. The big guys like Georgia's defensive linemen, you've got guys chasing around all last year with the bad off of the line play, and he just kind of seemed to get back up every time except for that one time at Arkansas. So um I think he's kind of, and you know, he's got a big heart, you know, he's he's able to kind of stay in there. He's able to get out of the pocket and kind of avoid um, taking a lot of hits, but at the end of the day, the NFL is a lot different, and the guys are a lot faster and stronger. And um, it's, it's definitely going to be a little dangerous for him out there, his size.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, Alabama not only had the number one overall pick in the draft; they had the first defensive player taken on the draft. As Will Anderson went number three to the Texans, he's somebody that we've known since his freshman year, really, maybe since the first game that he was going to be a first-round pick, uh, and he has continued to play like it throughout his Alabama career. How high do you think his ceiling can be in the NFL? And if there's anybody that you kind of liken him to that's already in the NFL, who would it be?
3: It's interesting. Uh, Will Anderson's an interesting one because after the year before this last one, his stock could not have been higher. I think most people thought he was going to be a number one pick. Um, Last year, he didn't have as much statistical success um, that he did two years ago with all those sacks and tackles for loss but it kind of was based off the game plan of other teams, right? I mean, everybody was double teaming him and you, you, every team's offensive game plan was to limit him getting to the quarterback um, his junior season, which it makes sense. And, you know, the production obviously went down, but he's still had a giant impact on the football game. And I, I really thought Houston would take him at two. I thought it was very interesting that they decided to trade up and just have a back-to-back fix and still get him, but also get the quarterback for the future. Um Man, comp, I think he's going to be great. He's going to play the same position in the NFL, um, which is one of the most coveted positions in the NFL, which is an edge rusher, um, that can change the game completely. I think he's not exactly like the Boses, but I think he can have that kind of, you know, game record impact on a football game. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's got to be a little quicker. I think he's obviously very strong. Um, but the, these offensive lines in the NFL are a lot tougher than the ones he's gone against. So he'll have to kind of change some things, but I think regardless, I think this guy's going to have a great NFL career.
1: Absolutely. And a lot's made every year around the NFL draft about running backs and the first round. We ended up seeing two go very early with uh the Falcons taken aback at eight and then Jameer Gibbs to the Lions at twelve. Were you surprised that he went that
0: high?
3: Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people were. Um but you know, people that have asked me that question they said, Are you surprised? Is it a bad pick? I've seen, you know, you know, countless outlets kind of give the Lions a C minus for taking him that early and this and that. I, it's definitely, it was definitely a stretch. Um, I don't think anybody expected him to go that high. He didn't even expect to go that high. I saw him say in his press conference in Detroit. Uh, but I think it's, I, I was okay with it. I kind of liked the pick um, if I was a Lions fan. I mean, you're getting a guy that is so good at everything, you know, out of the backfield, he can catch the ball. Um, he's, he's really, I've been comparing him to Alvin Kamara since he started playing at Alabama, mm-hmm. um, even back at Georgia tech. He had, he was a great player at Georgia tech, just didn't get the same, um, you know, looks because he's playing for a pretty, you know, down program at the point at this moment. Uh, but he comes to Alabama. He's one of the best players on the offense from the jump. Um, really, really, really good back at everything. I mean, he's so quick, he's strong. He can beat you 80 yards down the field. He can, you know, run out route. He can, I mean, anything. And so I think in the NFL these days, it's so important. You look at guys like Christian McCaffrey and um, all these other backs that are having to kind of learn to catch the ball. And it's kind of, we're seeing a decrease in, in running backs like Derrick Henry that are just going to line it up and run it down your throat. So uh, I think it was a great pick. It may not have been a little early, but I think if they want to kind of keep going with this offensive game plan that they've kind of turned into a offensive powerhouse and a franchise like last year, it mm-hmm. gives us a great pick.
1: So as we talked about earlier, Year in, year out, Alabama is producing just a stupid amount of NFL talent. First-round picks, day two, day three picks. They had 10 this past year, tied for the most with Georgia. Who are some names right now that Auburn fans and Alabama fans and everybody in the SEC should have their eyes on for next year's NFL draft from from Alabama?
3: Uh, I think it's got to start on the defensive side. Um, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, could have a very big season at corner. Uh, I still think right now he's one of the best cornerbacks returning for College Football this season. Um but there's going to be it's not going to be the same I don't think. I think there's been I mean everybody's looking at this Alabama team this coming up season and ranking them outside the top 5 and there's no quarterback and who's going to step up and are there any NFL players on this team? But you know JC Latham's going to be a big one. Um he's a gigantic. He's an offensive tackle. That's a team that's a position that teams love to go and get. So keep an eye on J.C. Latham, I'd say Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think Dallas Turner, um, similar to Will Anderson, is going to play the edge rusher side this year again um, in his third year. He's been playing since he was a freshman as well. So those are a couple guys I would keep an eye on. I think the, the running backs will see, Jason McClellan, Roydell Williams, if they can have big seasons, maybe they'll get in there and be a third or fourth-round pick. But right now i got to say Dallas Turner, J.C. Latham, and Kool-Aid McKinstry. Those are my top three probably for next year.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So one of the most talked about things in college sports right now is the transfer portal as it just closed this past Sunday. Uh, all sorts of players entered it, especially there late. Alabama last week we got the news that they landed the Notre Dame transfer quarterback Tyler Buckner. Uh I believe he's the fifth scholarship quarterback in that room. What does he bring to this room and how have Alabama fans reacted to his addition?
3: It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, Carter. I mean, we come into the spring. Obviously, you're losing the number one overall pick at quarterback. You've got Jalen Milro, who obviously started against Texas A&M last year. Not a great passer from what we've seen. Uh, but even all spring said, hey, both quarterbacks have been doing a great job. We're not really worried about uh, the portal. We're not really worried about anybody else except for those two guys competing. Um, a comes around the spring game. Their quarterback plays well. There's kind of this. I don't know, hush of the crowd, like, oh, Lord, like, who's the quarterback going to be next year? Because without a quarterback, you don't really have a good football team or, you know, except for maybe 2015 when Jake Coker was in there and it still led to a national championship, right? But you go out, you get Tyler Buckner. He's worked with Tommy Reese. Um, It kind of seemed too perfect. You know, as soon as he puts his name in the portal, people are immediately saying, (laughs) oh, he's going to Alabama. He takes a visit to Alabama in days and then the very next day commits to Alabama. So it's like... It was all, This was already drawn up before. And it, 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 is it collusion? Is it cheating? I don't really know. But obviously Buckner and Reese have a great relationship. Um, they, He coached Buckner. He had a pretty good impact on the, on the fighting Irish offense last year. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't start every game, but when he got in there, especially in the bowl game against South Carolina, looked pretty good. Um, so I wouldn't say he's the front runner yet just because, you know, it takes use to get to a system, which he's got familiarity with the Tommy Reese system, but you, gotta, you have new teammates, you have new coaching staff, Um, And so it's going to be, you know, hard to kind of join late. How is the team going to take it? Um, Because they've been preparing like it's Mill or Simpson all summer, all spring. And, you know, now you got a new guy in there to to play out the summer camp. So we'll see. I think at this point I would probably say he's the favorite to start a quarterback just because the other options aren't as stellar. Uh, But it'll definitely definitely be interesting to see how those three play out uh, this summer and fall.
1: So are Alabama fans reacting to this as – A move to go get somebody who's worked with Tommy Reese and somebody for depth or is this is this a net positive adding him or is this a well maybe we don't feel as good about the quarterbacks in the room right now
3: I think it's the second I I think they kind of realized and they will nobody's going to come out and say it but I think you coaching staff you you take a step back and you look and you say okay what kind of success are we going to have if these are our quarterbacks and if you know it's 2023. If you don't feel so good, this thing called the transfer portal—it's also known as free agency—at uh, this point, let's just go. Let's just go find one that's going to work. And Heller Buckner, I guess, is that guy. Um, obviously, Van Dyke from Miami was a name that people really thought Stephen was going to go try get, uh, but he got his nil money and he's staying down in South Beach. And so they said, okay, what's the next best option? Let's go get the guy that Reeves is comfortable with, um, that he coached a few uh, for a whole season um, or two, and throw him in the system and see if he can do better than these other two guys. But I don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to be the quarterback, but I think they definitely wanted a third option just in case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Austin, I'm, I'm curious about this as well. We were talking about the NFL draft, and it feels like from Julio Jones until this past draft, there's always been a first-round caliber receiver on Alabama's roster, sometimes two, sometimes three. We've even seen four. Is 2023 the year that we see somebody emerge again to that elite standard of receiver play at Alabama?
3: I guess we'll see. I mean, last year I think that was one of the knocks on this team uh, because it, obviously it was it was never Bryce Young's fault. He did the best he could. The offensive line struggled. The receivers weren't very consistent, um, and he had Jameer Gibbs, and like we already talked about. That was about it. I mean, he was you. But as soon as teams tried game plan against that, we we saw the struggles. We saw drops. We saw not much separation. The route running was never very good, but you're kind of returning a lot of those guys to see if they can get better. Jacore Brooks, obviously, Auburn fans will remember him as the guy that caught the game winning touchdown or the game tying touchdown there at the end of the game a couple years ago um, when he was a freshman. You got Malik Benson, a Juco guy, that's coming in and, and seems to be turning a lot of heads and might become a starter. Um, Jermaine Burton, obviously, is coming back this year. And there's a few young guys that kind of emerged in the bowl game and towards the end of the year, like Isaiah Bond and Cody Prentice and Kendrick Law that are all sophomores now. So, it's a deep receiver room. I still don't think there's a number one, he's that kind of guy in this receiver room, but I think that there's you know five or six good receivers that can make an impact on a game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of transitioning to baseball, the SEC's been pretty wild this year. You've got so many, I think you've got five uh, in the top six in the D1 baseball poll. Alabama just had their series against... Uh, LSU didn't really go their way. I mean, but it's also number one LSU. That's going to happen sometimes. They got swept in that series. How do they bounce back this week? As you know, they trade out number one LSU for number five Vanderbilt in another big series. As the standings shake out here, as we head to Hoover.
3: Yeah, the SEC baseball is uh, it's pretty brutal, Carter. I mean, it seems like every week you got to go against one of these top ten teams. Uh, you just finish up with the top team in the country in Baton Rouge. You get swept. Now there's the whole thing going around about the sports gambling. Who, who knows what's going on there? Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, Vanderbilt's coming into town. Uh, how do you, how do you handle these distractions? How do you handle already just getting swept? And now you got to play another great team, um, that's actually first in the SEC, I believe. LSU, shoot second just by half a game. Uh, but yeah, Vandy's back to the old ways. I mean, they had a couple years. These last couple years were kind of down years, but we won't forget that they won. Bet- two national championships in three seasons, I think, uh, a few years back. And now kind of Tim Corbin's got that program flipped around again, and they're playing great baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, they're coming to Tuscaloosa, so it, we'll see. I mean, the crowd will be in Alabama's favor. Um, maybe they get a little home cooking. They get one or two games, and, you know, that it would go a long way. Because Even at this second, they're 9-12 in the SEC. Um, from what I've seen, they're still an NCAA tournament team by most people's projections. Um, sweeping, getting swept by LSU doesn't really hurt your resume. Uh, yeah. Getting swept by really any top ten team in the SEC doesn't really hurt your resume as long as you kind of take care of business against the bottom feeders, as Alabama kind of has done this season. So um, we'll see. I, I think best case scenario probably is two out of three, uh, but. You got to just try to get at least one. I think at home this weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Auburn's in, this, in a very similar boat as they they welcome that LSU team that's number one in the country and coming off the sweep of Alabama this weekend. Austin, where can everybody keep track of you and everything you have going on?
3: Yeah, so if you if you want to, uh, if you if you got enough of your Auburn news and you want a little about Alabama stuff in your timeline, <laughs> um, you can follow me over at Austin Hand SI on Twitter. That's where most of the stuff goes on. Um, that's where most people reach out to me and that's kind of where the business of sports media is these days. So that's probably the best way to find me, um, or BamaCentral.com. We've got a lot of stuff going on there. So, yeah.
1: Appreciate it, Austin. Can't wait to do it again soon, man.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, Carter.
1: Appreciate it. That was Austin Hannon of BamaCentral.com. Uh, great conversation about the NFL Draft and Alabama. Uh, Tyler Buckner coming in in the transfer portal. A little bit of Alabama baseball there at the very end. We need to hit our final break here of the Wednesday edition of On the On the Line, we come back. We'll get you set for the drive.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502.
1: Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It's been a great show here as uh, Carter Bird solo in the show here in the Auburn Network Studio as Jacob Goins is on the road calling Lee Scott Academy Baseball at Glenwood in the state semifinals as the Warriors have a best-of-three series today. Uh, Games one and two today starting that have got rolling at, I think, 3.30 and are currently underway on AU100. That's 100.3 FM, AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app if you want to keep track of that. Yeah, but it's been a great show today. We've had some great guests. We had Daryl Daprich on in hour number one, talking Auburn football and basketball transfer portal. Uh, Hour number two, we had uh, Jack Hutton. A little bit of a hiccup there in the middle as his phone call dropped uh, on the road to, I think he's going down to Central uh, for some Auburn high softball. I think that'll be on W. Lee, uh, if I have that correct, uh, here in, I think, about 35 minutes. Uh, as they have a must win game tonight and potentially, if what I was told was correct, they could have three consecutive games tonight if they keep winning. Um, but yeah, so a lot a lot going on here at the Auburn Network and our family of stations. Uh, we just got off the phone with Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Uh, first time coming on for him. Great conversation about the NFL draft in Alabama and Tyler Buckner coming in and what that means for Alabama in 2023, a little bit of Alabama baseball. Yeah, he he brought up the Alabama baseball gambling story, which I don't know a ton about, but a especially a sports book in Ohio has shut down all gambling on Alabama baseball because I guess something is fishy there. Who knows what what's going to come out of that? It's certainly a storyline you don't see really ever, um, just because, especially not in baseball, college baseball, because it just doesn't happen very often. But I mean, you got headlines. I mean, there's an ESPN story about it right now. Um, so I mean, it's there've been a lot of weird um, negative headlines coming out of Alabama for the last few months dating from January to now um and it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that one Uh, I'm sure that we will talk as that story progresses we will talk more with Austin Hannon here in the coming weeks uh but yeah it's been a great show we talked a lot about the uh addition of Jalen McLeod in the transfer portal what that means for Auburn at the jack position I, I think it's a great addition I meant to mention this earlier uh Cole Kublik uh thinks it's a great addition and then we also talked about the quarterback uh, transfer portal whether it's Casey Thompson or Peyton Thorne certainly feeling like Peyton Thorne both are upgrades for Auburn and elevate this Auburn team heading into the 2023 season that's going to do it for today's episode of on the line tomorrow we might be back at full strength but coming up next the drive